0: to the Hashtag Finance Podcast, brought to you by Public Entrepreneur Magazine. I'm your host, Grace Pedota, and I'm here with Richard Carlton, CEO of the Canadian Securities Exchange. Hi, Richard. How are you today?
1: Good afternoon, Grace. I'm well. Thank you.
0: Good. Uh, So one of the things I love about working at the CEC, actually, is um, that... I, today I brought in my ukulele because <laughs> a co worker of ours is starting a little band at home. So it turns out that on the same day that I'm doing Richard's uh, podcast, um, I bring in the ukulele. And it turns out that Richard can actually play the ukulele. So I brought it into the studio for you to play for our guests today, if you don't mind.
1: <laughs> Okay, well, until this morning, it had probably been 35 years since I touched ukulele, but I did tune this up earlier. Oh. There's D7, G7, (laughs) F, G7, C. And then you can do power chords, which uh, people don't really understand with uh, ukulele, but...
0: We just need, like, a, a so, so there was margarita a, that, in here.
1: Yeah, that was a classic crowbar rift, by the way. Oh, so, nice. So, uh, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I love playing the ukulele. In fact, I think when I was about nine years old, I converted my ukulele into a, an electric ukulele.
0: Oh, wow. Uh,
1: with, like, a little amplifier kit, two transistors or something like that. So How do
0: you uh, that is, do don't that? Don't worry about it. Okay. You, you create
1: yeah. a pickup and you tape it to the back of the ukulele. All
0: right. Cool, cool. Yeah. And what color was it?
1: Uh, it was uh, kind of a blonde wood, um, mm-hmm. might have been oak or something like that. But uh, in fact, I've still got it somewhere. I, I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to find it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to <laughs> bring it in. And
1: I'm joining the band, yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna start our own band at work. It's gonna be great. I wonder who'd be the singer. You
1: could, you could sing, right? Uh, I, I have, I have performed publicly <laughs> yeah. uh, along with uh, Rob Cook and Mark Faulkner and uh, oh, wow. a number of the other, uh, you know, folks that uh, worked at the other exchange a long time ago. Um, we had a tradition at the. Uh, leaving parties of which there were, of course, a lot over the years Yeah, of uh, writing songs and then singing them for the, uh, you know, people, person who was leaving. And uh, so, yeah, we, 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 we've done a number of uh, public gigs over the years.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I guess we'll save that for our next Christmas party. I I'm looking forward to could it. Could
1: be. Could be.
0: <laughs> so one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I've been so curious about, is um, why did you choose to sit... Next to like the first office from the reception area, like I you know like to be in my own space, have my you know earphones in, and you know have my own area. But why why that area?
1: Well, it was sort of the process of elimination, um, and I've and I've had to adjust on the fly here because uh, earlier in the week I was in New York City, and I would have said process of elimination. But in any event, um, I really like the uh, uh, the meeting room that is, of course, now the broadcast center, right? So that was my first choice. And they said, no, you can't have that. It's going to be the broadcast center. And it's spectacular, right? It's big. has the South View and everything. So then I thought, maybe that meeting room that's in the northeast corner of the building, like corner office, 72nd floor, first Canadian place, that would be <laughs> great. And then we realized, one, it has that huge, ugly concrete column, like right in the corner. And also, none of our furniture actually fits in there. And uh, so, so that one was out. So, you know, the next choice was, it, it's actually uh, the next biggest office <laughs> in the place. And uh, as you've seen, my collection of mementos and stuff uh, yes. from the, uh, you know, from, you know, a, a, a career uh, well spent, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I needed just a little more space to be able to uh, display it properly. So.
0: Yeah. And would you say that your office kind of looks like an ideal man cave that you would have, like at your own house
1: or your... Well, combined with the uh, meeting room across the way, yeah uh, which of course has two big screen televisions yeah uh, critically important of course um, now uh, i'll still have a bit of a hike to the refrigerator uh, in the other boardroom, i guess <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're, not, we're we're well away from you know ideal yeah. and of course uh, you know there isn't uh, you know pool table and uh you know my other man caves actually tend to have you know libraries and you know open, oh. you know uh, working fireplace and right, uh, you know that right. kind of thing. So overstuffed <laughs> leather chairs, oriental carpets, and uh, all that stuff. On well, I mean, you know guy can dream, right? Right. But uh, yeah, so it's it's not it's not we've got some work to do on that uh, on that front.
0: Yeah, I think you were the only one who had like the boxes unpacked, like not unpacked for the longest in the office. So it was
1: yeah. But uh, remember, I was also away for three yes, weeks when we when yes, moved. Yes, yes, right? you were. Were, Did I mention were... I was in Davos, darling?
0: Yeah. <laughs> How was <laughs> that, by Squaw the way? Squaw
1: Valley after that. And yeah. then, uh, you know, Miami as well. Uh, you know, Davos was really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we uh, took this project on uh, pretty much at the last minute, uh, yeah. maybe, uh, uh, you know, six weeks or so before the uh, actual event. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we thought it might be an interesting opportunity for issuers and dealers and uh, some of the other folks in our ecosystem To, um, you know, basically showcase the uh, capabilities of the Canadian securities industry to finance a a sunrise industry, you Mm -hmm. know, which is really uh, attracting a lot of interest on a global scale. And, uh, you know, so off we went on a Sunday night and, you know, got into a beautiful Switzerland on a Monday morning. Drove up to Davos, got to the hotel, which, uh, you know, I kind of joke was in France. Uh, it wasn't, but it was still a fair ways away from Davos because our oh, last minute, right. uh, you know, meant that, uh, you know, we were actually nowhere close to Davos. Um, in any event, so we, we went in on the Monday night and uh, got our accreditation. And, of course, security is very tight. And, uh, you know, the Swiss are rather humorless about, uh, you know, things like that uh, for obvious reasons. So. Um, and then we uh, did, you know, we walked down the promenade, which is the main street of, uh, of Davos. And, uh, you know, Davos is actually a reasonably large uh, town by, you know, kind of Alpine village standards. It's not a village. It's, I think the uh, the hockey team there has about a six or 7,000 seat arena. So, you know, there are a lot of people that can, you know, move around in uh, Davos. A lot of hotels and restaurants and so on.
0: And this was your first time in Davos?
1: Uh, no, actually. Oh, uh, first time uh, at the World Economic Forum, uh, right. but uh, and I've skied a lot in Europe over the years and uh, been through Davos and Closters, which is nearby, uh, before. But uh, in any event, uh, so we, we were just looking around and, and we were going to see our, our, our storefront uh, where we were going to be doing uh, events for the rest of the week. And, uh, you know, our, our initial impression was, oh, my God, we're, we're in the only dive bar in Davos <laughs> Now again it wasn't you know <laughs> a real dive bar but it was perhaps not the nicest bar on, on uh, in the uh, uh, in the town of Davos um but in any event we we then uh, went around and we saw some of the other um venues uh that uh, uh, were 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 you know various uh, corporations and countries and so on were were hosting events and as I've described it, it was a little bit like going to a gigantic wedding reception where you didn't really know anybody, but the the food and the wine and everything was just tremendous. And, you know, there was, uh, you know, gifts being given out all over the place. So I thought, and how well, did you introduce
0: yourself to people? Like, was it hard to kind of introduce what, who you are and what we're doing and what the CSC was not, about?
1: Not so much because really everybody's there to learn and network and meet people and so on. So so, yeah, it, it's people are very much, uh, you know, willing to engage uh, with folks and sort of figure out what's going on. But, no, you're right. I mean, one of the concerns that we had was, you know, how are we going to get the word out right. uh, uh, that, uh, you know, people should be dropping by the Canada Cannabis House in Davos uh, to uh, see the, uh, you know, the programs that we were putting on during the afternoons from uh, Tuesday through Thursday. And, uh, you know, so we had some exposure on the Davos app uh, and uh, – and an opportunity for people to sign up ahead of time. But uh, uh, aside from that, there was, you know, a lot of sort of walk-up traffic and street presence and all of that sort of thing. So in any event, um, as things turned out, we went back, of course, on the on the Tuesday morning and uh, got set up. And uh, by the time we were getting ready to start, the place was packed. Wow. And, uh, and so combination of word of mouth and, uh, you know, talking to People at uh, uh, at the event on the on the Monday night, let's say, and we'd also had a certain amount of pickup in the press as well. Uh, so people knew to look for us, and uh, so they they came out. And uh, you know, within a short period of time, I looked around. I saw the uh, you know issuers and folks who were uh, part of our group. Um, you know, they were exchanging business cards. They were talking to people mm-hmm. from from Europe in the industry, uh, policymakers from different parts of the world. Uh, and uh, you know, just generally uh, doing business and uh, making connections, which is uh, you know really what what we had intended and, and hoped. Did and, you have any
0: doubt that that may not have happened? Or well, you
1: know, until it actually happens and you see it work, yeah. then you know, yeah, you're always uh, you know a little concerned. But uh,
0: and you've probably traveled a lot, um, given your <laughs> your position and what you're yeah, you've yeah, accomplished. R- rumor has it. Yeah. So I, I mean, is this one of the uh, best experiences that you've had like what what
1: yeah with this sort of thing absolutely yeah. and uh but you know one of one of the things that I will say is that we were really well supported from the issuer community and so and and of course it wasn't just c s e issuers so uh you know, in addition to Kevin Murphy from uh, the ceo from acreage uh who's one of our largest uh, listed companies and uh you know growing uh Incredibly fast in the U.S. cannabis market, but we also had Bruce Linton, uh, who's the CEO of Canopy, uh, of course listed on the other exchange uh, in, in Canada. Uh, Bruce is obviously the CEO of the largest uh, canna- uh, cannabis uh, company in the world by market capitalization. Bruce was really generous with his time uh, oh, with that's us, great. with other people, you know, in our group, and uh, certainly with members of the media. And uh, you know, there were a lot of folks that were there to seek Bruce out to, you know talk about different uh, aspects of the business and opportunities in their particular part of the world, uh, potentially for Canopy and some of the other companies. So, uh, as I say, he was, uh, he was great. We also had Ehud Barak, a former prime minister of Israel, um, mm-hmm. who's now a uh, chairman of a cannabis issuer based in uh, Israel, still a private company, not yet in the public markets. And, uh, you know, Ehud was uh, scheduled to uh, uh, present uh, with us on Thursday afternoon, But he actually came on Tuesday, and he was with us all week. And uh, again, very generous with his time, very engaging uh, with, uh, again, the folks who were there, uh, and and with the press. And we actually, again, as the week went on, we actually found that we had more and more press opportunities as well. Oh, great. And, uh, you know, both with uh, print media uh, as well as uh, broadcast media. And I guess one of the highlights of the week was uh, uh, doing a live uh, interview with uh, Marcy Ian on uh, CTV News. With um, you know our colleague James Black uh, holding his iPhone and oh, FaceTiming he me, told me that. <laughs> and, you know and James, J- J- James James yeah. did really well because I think the, the the interview was about three and a half minutes and and I don't know that I could hold my arms steady <laughs> for three and a half minutes like that and I'm sure he was uh, his arms were burning by the time we ended but uh, yeah. uh, again went uh, went very well and got uh, great feedback from it
0: that's great and I mean another thing that I kind of wonder. As well, when I first started working at the CSE is that, like, at some point you had to make a decision about embracing the cannabis industry. And, you know, did you get any kind of um, uh, did you get any kind of like non-supportive um, people when you decided to embrace the cannabis industry? Like, were there, was what, there anyone? Aside,
1: aside from our competitors, you mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, you're, maybe like your family members or friends, or was anyone really no, uh, stick I mean, their nose up at it? No, or? For, the,
1: for the most part, uh, they think it's hysterical. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> as do I, for <laughs> the most part. But, uh, you know, the, the the truth of the matter is that, uh, um, you know, as as an exchange, people constantly ask us, you know what are you guys focusing on what are you trying to do what do you what sort of companies are you trying to get and you know we can actually spend a lot of time and money chasing after companies and and we might form the view that uh, oh i don't know say us technology companies from venture capital funds that are maybe the fourth or fifth best performing company in a in a vc's portfolio for example should be prime candidates because they're not unicorns they won't get big enough to be public market companies in the United States, but, you know, there's su- still have the potential to be successful businesses and, you know, da da-da, da-da, da-da. da-da. Mm-hmm. Now, as I say, we can think all of these great thoughts. It doesn't matter. What matters is what companies are investors putting money into right now. Right. And those are the companies that are going to show up on the exchange. And so... You know, we do have the opportunity to see, um, and and usually with maybe a three to six month lead time in advance. Of course, you know what's what 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 uh, kinds of companies are getting funded, and you know what the 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 makeup of the market is going to look like in a, say a three to six month time horizon. So you know, we 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 saw, for example, last year, yeah, cannabis was obviously a, a big part of the the headline for the CSC but mining for example actually had a very impressive rebound in the last two quarters of uh, yeah, 2018. That's
0: one of the things I, I uh, picked out the most in your year-in-review was, you know, I was shocked by how many mining companies we actually had listed.
1: No, that's right. And uh, obviously with real challenges in the underlying commodity prices, but you know, I think investors had determined that you know there were still projects which deserved financing and uh, had been languishing for a number of years and they could you know really pick and uh, choose between you know again some very compelling uh, mining projects for example okay. and they you know they did attract investment and they did uh, in fact get uh, get listed so but going back to your you know the original question um you know we we were presented uh, with uh, a small handful of companies back in the spring of 2014 who are applying to uh, secure licenses from Health Canada to uh, basically provide uh, marijuana into the Canadian medical market. Right. Uh, but there was a lot of interest around that because, uh, you know, people speculated that, um, you know, these companies would be the leaders if, as, and when there was legalization of recreational use. And if you looked at the scale of the operations that they were looking to build, you know, Aurora, you know, for example, in particular – That, you know, clearly any one of these operations could grow all of the medical marijuana that was required at the time. You know, clearly they were scaling up for something else. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we looked at the companies and determined that they were perfectly suitable uh, entrants into the public capital markets. Um, Our main concern, as always, with any company is about the quality and the level of the disclosure that they provide, uh, both when they come into the markets in the form of a listing statement or the prospectus that they file if it's an IPO, and then, of course, their ongoing, continuous disclosure. And, and do you
0: think that the skill sets that you kind of have working for other exchanges helped you with this process?
1: Oh uh, well, absolutely. I you know have picked up a thing or two about yeah. exchanges work over the course of. We're not going to say how long at this point, but uh,
0: no, but like seeing the red flags with companies like you were just talking about, and you know, like helping you kind of see them more and. and- to give you that kind of skill set to see what to look for.
1: Yeah. Well, it's obviously not just me. I yeah. mean, we obviously have an extremely uh, experienced team here at the mm-hmm. Canadian Securities Exchange and folks that have been active, um, you know, more of us than I hate to admit, I think we're probably into our fourth <laughs> decade in the industry. Uh, so as I say, we, we have a very solid understanding and grasp of the fundamentals of uh you know, not just obviously the appropriate way of uh, regulating a company from an exchange perspective, but also, you know, requirements from securities law, corporate law, and, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, you we, were a, we a lawyer
0: a, before, right? You, you practiced well, law.
1: I actually still am. Oh, uh, in, okay. a, in a sense. But, okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a recovering lawyer, I guess is uh, how you it. A recovering
0: lawyer. <laughs> and what kind of skills do you think that you learned from uh, being a lawyer? Could you, did you put forth... Um, to the exchange here and building the exchange?
1: Well, uh, I guess, uh, you know, you, you may not know, but I was actually in-house with, uh, you know, the uh, legacy exchange group here in, uh, in Toronto for um, eight years, I guess, before I jumped over into the business management side of that exchange, mm-hmm. which gave me a, an interesting opportunity to learn lots of different aspects of the business Um, So I had a reasonably good grasp of uh, the trading processes, uh, what the market data people did, uh, trading technology, because I was involved in both the acquisition and licensing of technology uh, that the exchange was uh, both using and developing.
0: And the exchange is doing a new blockchain technology, am I correct?
1: Uh, That's one of the projects that we have underway. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know the interesting thing there is that you know again leaving aside the technology which is you know new and shiny and people get quite excited about mm-hmm. the real interest for us is um, you know helping people attack the costs risk and uh, inefficiencies associated with the current clearing and settlement process. At the same time, we want to give issuers the opportunity to uh, develop new and interesting securities for the market that will help them cut their costs and improve a number of. Uh, of things that they currently have to do, like, uh, you know, proxy voting for shareholder approval, shareholder communications and investor relations, um, the increased visibility into who their beneficial shareholders are, uh, is really going to, you know, change a lot of how companies engage with the market in the future. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I probably can't even begin to predict how different it will be. 10, 15, 20 years from now, but uh, this is really the first step and what will be, I think, a very exciting journey for a lot of folks.
0: And did you always know um, that this is kind of what you wanted to do? Like when you were younger, like what did, what did you want to be? <laughs> is it this?
1: Uh, I think on my grade five, um, uh, let's see now, I probably wanted to be an astronaut, an engineer, and I think lawyer was number three. Okay. Oh. And okay. now my dad was a lawyer. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that was sort of an, an obvious thing. Um, you know, the astronaut and the engineering thing went away when it, you know, I realized that, uh, I, you know, I had little aptitude for math.
0: Well, there's still time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the funny thing is I have done work in the quant- quantitative finance uh, sphere as well. And, uh, you know, the math guys were all working for me at that point. So,
0: And um, what have you learned uh, growing this company in the last years?
1: Wow, uh, a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, when when I became CEO in uh, July of 2011, um, you know, the, the the future of the organization was not assured. Uh, I guess well, let's let's leave it at that. Um, you know, we had to lead a recapitalization of the company. Uh, there were a number of uh, you know balance sheet issues that we had to address. And, uh, you know, it was also the case that, uh, you know, we probably had a bit of a technology deficit vis-a-vis some of our competitors. And although our message to the junior capital market was beginning to uh, get some traction, uh, we knew we still had a lot of work to do. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, I, I can't say that, you know, there was any aha moment or silver bullets or anything on any of those things, but... We did successfully after a year and a half or so. um, And I think talking to, you know, well over 100 uh, groups about uh, investing in the organization. And it was obviously not just here, but, uh, you know, across Canada, the United States and various other places. You know, I think I wore out a lot of pairs of shoes that year, you know, that year and a half. Yeah. But um, uh, eventually the, um, you know, Tom Caldwell and uh, Urbana Corporation, uh, agreed to lead a recapitalization of the company. Mr. Caldwell uh, also agreed to become chair of the organization. Um, that got us on our back on our financial feet and enabled us to make some investments that uh, you know we'd been kind of putting off. Um, about six or seven months later, I got a phone call one warm, humid August afternoon from Ned Goodman. Wanted to come over and see me, and wow. uh, so Ned. Explained that uh, he was extremely impressed with uh, what we'd done, what we'd achieved. Wanted to help us uh, get, uh, you know, to 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 new heights. I think and I met Ned uh,
0: Goodman with you actually in London, England, the first time. I think that we for Minds and Money.
1: He was accepting uh, an award,
0: I think, on behalf of his dad.
1: That was actually. Or, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it was uh, John's son. Yeah. yeah, yes, that's yes, right. Yes,
0: yes, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah Ned. Uh, yeah, Ned wasn't able to travel that uh, uh, that December. I guess it was, but. Uh, in any event, so so Ned also uh, invested in the organization and uh, served as uh, vice chair of the organization. But more importantly than any of that, Ned, Ned was our most vocal advocate. Yeah. Uh, publicly, in private, um, You know, he probably saw more uh, transactions or investment opportunities than maybe anybody in the city. And he would always end the meeting by saying, and one more condition, if I invest in this company and you go public, you will have to list on the Canadian Securities Exchange. <laughs> so Ned, Ned was, uh, as I say, a, a tremendous supporter of the organization. And, uh, you know, we, we really, really, uh, you know, owe a great debt to uh, to Ned for his support oh, at great. a critical time in the organization.
0: And you guys are still friends, keeping contact?
1: Well, Ned's uh, not as well as uh, he would uh, wish at this point. Uh, so he's uh, basically pulled back from all of his uh, business interests at uh, at this point. So as I say, all, all the best to Ned.
0: Yeah. And, and with this busy schedule and, and, you know, you must be a busy person. What do you kind of do to relax?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aside from, uh, strumming the ukulele periodically. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's sort of, you know, kind of, we, we, my wife and I have a place, uh, up near Collingwood. Uh, we ski in the winter. Um, you know, I, play golf we cycle and so on in the summertime um and uh she has a my wife has a wonderful garden out there that uh, she's been uh whipping into shape over the last uh, five years or so and uh we, uh, as I say, we like to spend a lot of time there. We also, you know, our, our GTA area place is actually a horse farm. Uh, that also uh, keeps us on our toes from uh, from time to time. So. Uh, oh, that's great. And uh, we have uh, two boys, 27, 29. They're uh, grown up and, uh, you know, launched in their own careers at this point. Uh, and
0: what do they do? Uh,
1: the older son is uh, married, lives in Ottawa, and works for the federal government. Oh, great. And uh, the younger... Guy is a, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. Wow. And uh, he's been flying since he was uh, 14, actually. Oh, great. And I still say the bravest thing I have ever done in my life. So you kind
0: my of life. became an ostra- astronaut. Yeah. Like, yeah your your yeah, son yeah, I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, as I say, I uh, the bravest thing I've ever done in my life was let him fly me up to Collingwood when he was 16, oh, that, I think.
0: That's so cool of you and, to let him do that. Wow. Um,
1: yeah, maybe yeah. cool might, isn't necessarily the word I was. <laughs>
0: Were you scared?
1: <laughs> um. Yes. Yes, I was. Um, actually, it was pretty funny because uh, you know at that time I had the uh, you know a lot of friends who were taking their children driving for the first time. Yeah, and I kept hearing all these stories like, oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. And I'm, you know, listening to all of these stories in my mind as I'm 5,000 feet over Barry doing 120 knots yeah. uh, with my son in command of the uh, aircraft. But, uh,
0: <laughs> that's so funny. Was it just you and your son in the airplane yep. or was it, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So Great. so that was
1: fun. I was uh, just enormously proud of him. Oh, that's And nice. uh, it was very funny because, of course, uh, you know, 16-year-old boys can be slightly irresponsible from time to time. You may have heard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the pilot persona just infused him completely when he got into the cockpit. So all of the checklists and, uh, you know, just very, very careful and, uh, everything else I can see. And he's also a, he's a wonderful teacher, so I, as I say, I think he's uh, he's doing really well.
0: Oh, that's great. And do you see any of the kind of skills, have you passed down any skills to your two sons that you've kind of learned throughout your career? <laughs> well, well, it
1: depends, you know, it was, you know, the old joke with the uh, parents, right, is uh, when you, you know, the kids are behaving well, it's like, oh yes, it was all me, and you know, no genetic material from, you know, your wife kind of thing, but you know, <laughs> in <laughs> any event, uh, yes, they're, they're, you know, argumentative, and uh, they're um uh very uh what do I want to say glib talkers and uh good vocabulary and uh yeah. they're musical as well. Oh um, wow. So I didn't just play the ukulele I also played just uh, like
0: you they played play the, the
1: trombone and uh actually had a you know with some a recorder. I think places. you said a recorder. Yeah, I was you a terrible were... recorder player. Though.
0: <laughs> but your son's better, right? Remember you were saying he was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, and, and uh, the, the older, Dion? yeah, the older son actually is a really good guitar player. Oh um,
0: wow, that's good. It's yeah. good. So summer's coming up, and I need some some travel tips. Uh, can you suggest anywhere to go? Seeing as you've, uh, you're probably well traveled by now.
1: Yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, I haven't been to. Africa, although I've seen it uh, from a distance, and the uh, same thing actually with South America, which is on my bucket list, um, is, to, is to get to South America. Um, I have traveled pretty much everywhere in Europe. Uh, a couple of my favorite places are Sardinia and Corsica, um, spectacular coastline, great beaches, um, and not crowded uh, compared with some of the other parts of uh, Italy and, uh, and, and, and France, of course. Uh, I'm a real fan of the uh, lifestyle in Provence. Um, I actually lived in France as a student uh, many years ago and uh, got to know the country uh, reasonably well. Um, I wouldn't suggest going to China in the summertime. It is hot.
0: Really? Okay. Like,
1: really, really hot.
0: I heard there's a lot of people as well, so it's probably Uh, humid and just, yeah.
1: Yes, all all, (laughs) all of that. And and that's a great point because... uh, you know, I've been to the, you know, the Terracotta Warriors at Xi'an, um, you know, around Shanghai, uh, in the south and Shenzhen and, uh, obviously Beijing a number of times, um, the big national monuments, uh, you know, around the Forbidden City and the Moon Tower and so on in the south end of uh, Beijing, again, in the summertime, are, you know, very, very crowded. And, and Beijing is hot, humid, and very dusty.
0: So you like to uh, travel with less crowds, like you don't?
1: Yeah, well, again, you know, we talked earlier about, uh, I, you know, like to ski mm-hmm. and uh, like to go to Europe, Western North America, uh, and, and so on. Um, I really enjoy London as a city uh you know paris obviously is a is a big favorite rome is great i mean you know these aren't exactly uh, you know off the beaten track new yeah. ideas but uh you know as i say i really do uh, enjoy uh, enjoy all those places one of the one of the and again i it's also become a, a big favorite on the international circuit but uh, uh prague is uh, one of my favorite uh, european cities Oh, uh,
0: why?
1: has the old town mm-hmm. um has actually been preserved from the 15th century i think and the buildings are very obviously extremely old but well preserved and maintained um, the, the palaces the bridges and everything are uh, absolutely exquisite uh, same with stockholm actually as well um, the um, original city of stockholm is on an island that's now surrounded by the modern city and uh the streets, the cobblestones that are you know barely two horses wide, kind of thing and yeah. winding around that's you know, like
0: they... Montreal and you're from Montreal originally, right? Oh, oh, is it
1: goodness no, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, I thought I heard that <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh born uh you know south of Bloor Street actually oh, and, uh, really? like you know Torontonian, uh you know basically, but uh okay, um in any event the uh as i say Sta- stockholm is uh, actually just spectacular from a, an architectural perspective and uh and and the funny thing is that every time i've been to stockholm uh, and i've been in the summer spring fall winter kind of thing mm-hmm. the weather is always identical to what you leave behind in toronto you know oh, you, wow. you feel like you've gone halfway across the world and it's uh, you know it's cold but not too cold in the winter and in the summer it's uh, it's nice but it's you know again it's not too hot uh yeah. so it's uh, it's it's a real treat
0: um well richard thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and letting me uh get to know you a little bit more as well as our audience and uh have a great weekend
1: my pleasure thanks and the same to you grace
0: hi it's grace from the csc reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts For more in depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at thecsc.com.